Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Qatar for the Game Day World Cup podcast with me, Sam Matterface, alongside Talk Sports football correspondent Alex Crook and the assistant editor of the Mirror, Darren Lewis. Every day when we wake up, we will give you a bite-sized special delivery from the World Cup, bringing you a roundup of all the day's action and discussing all the upcoming games. The top stories this Sunday morning, Messi Magic sends Argentina into the last eight with his first ever knockout goal at a World Cup on his 1,000th appearance. Netherlands into the quarterfinals after seeing off the USA. England looking to book their spot in the last state later when they take on Senegal. And it's Mbappe versus Lewandowski later as Holders France take on Poland. The Game Day World Cup podcast from Talksport. After the sheer unpredictability and drama of the group stages, this is where things really do come to the crunch. Nothing like knockout football at the World Cup. Nick back in towards Pulisic, the flag stays down. Goalkeeper makes a great save to his left-hand side. Gakpo striding forward menacingly, the number eight. Angles the pass wide to the near side and Dumfries. He will pull it back to Pai. What a finish into the bottom corner. Pulisic is in, angle tight in the penalty area. The flick is into the back of the net. And the US have scored. Denzel Dumfries puts it into the net and surely puts the Dutch into the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And the US were not back in the game for long. The Netherlands three, the US one. The American dream that the World Cup might be coming to an end here. And match number 1,000 in the senior career of one Lionel Andres Messi. 788 goals in his previous 999 appearances for club and country. But not only is a World Cup missing off his stellar CV, but also a goal in the knockout stages of this tournament. Messi has it again, goes for goal! Messi! A grand's worth of games with a grand old finish! Past Matthew Ryan, it just had to be him. Argentina 1, Australia 0. A drive deflected it in! They've got one back! And it's Craig Goodwin who's given Australia hope. There's been many great clashes between Argentina and the Dutch. It'll happen again this week because the full-time score here, Argentina 2, Australia 1. Lionel Messi got his first knockout World Cup goal, surpassing Maradona for total World Cup appearances and goals last night as well. It's his 1,000th game as a pro, and it was his moment, wasn't it? Um, Argentina needed that as well, didn't they, Crook? Yeah, they did. Um, Mesmerising again from Messi. Um, The longer this tournament goes on, the more I'm coming around to the way of thinking that actually one player can carry a team all the way uh, to victory, and that player could well be Lionel Messi. I thought he was scintillating at times in that second half. His, His ball control... He's passing, obviously, the finish for the goal um, in the first half. And I think it was written in the stars, wasn't it, on his 1,000th game. 
that Lionel Messi would get on the score sheet. Having said that, they had to ride a bit of an Australian storm late on Argentina. And if you're looking for a counter-argument to them winning the World Cup, then you could suggest that actually they've not really played anybody yet and they've lived through quite a few of their games. Yeah, I uh, remember during the middle of the Mexico game uh, when I was working for ITV, Lee Dixon saying, Argentina can't win the World Cup playing like this. And I double-take quickly and looked at him and thought, don't, don't say that, um, because the, the, their route to the final is starting to open up quite quickly, isn't it, Darren? It is, it is. But I just, if I can, Sam, I just want to go back so slightly to what you were saying, because it wasn't just only his 1,000th game. Um, it, it was his 100th game as Argentina captain. And that takes yeah. some doing to achieve that landmark. I think as a player, it, it, he is the, at a point in his career that Ronaldo would love to be at in terms of being 35, still playing top football. I mean, obviously, Ronaldo's three years his senior. Uh, um, three or two? I've got that right. Three years his senior, two years his senior. Um, yeah, two years his senior. I, I just think as far as Argentina are concerned, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. I think Messi is running games. Obviously. I, don't, I don't think anyone is convinced, Darren. I mean, that's the point, is it? No one has been convinced them, with them since they, they started against Saudi Arabia. Yeah. No one is. But he just seems to keep coming up with these moments. Yeah, absolutely. He does come up with those moments. And I think that he has been able to save them. He's carrying them on his back for quite some time. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, I, I just think, as far as he is concerned, his team play the Dutch. And Louis van Gaal is a man who always comes up with a plan. And I, I think it will be interesting to see how his side get on against a, 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 a team of comparable ability. I thought Poland was shocking. Saudi Arabia beat them because they had a plan that they were able to execute. Argentina were good, spirited, lots of belief, but they had limited ability as well. If they had a finisher, they probably could have maybe caused a shock. I was with one or two connections of the boy who uh, missed at the end of the game. Garan Cuyol, and um, we have to accept it was a terrific save from Martinez, but the fact that the chance was created tells you that higher calibre players might well take advantage of a very, very uncertain Argentina defence. Julian Alvarez having a very good tournament, isn't he? Another goal for him. Yeah, he is. Um, and uh, I think his introduction uh, in the second half against Mexico could well be a turning point in Argentina's tournament when we look back on it because his presence has allowed Messi uh, to pick up that space that he likes to operate in. He's obviously scored a terrific goal last night as well. And uh, depressingly, I think for anybody who doesn't support Manchester City in the Premier League, he looks like a real talent, doesn't he? Um, Argentina face the Netherlands in the next round of the competition on Friday night. It will be a cracking game. Um, Emmy Martinez's hair, is that acceptable behaviour? The pattern on the back of his hair? Are we, taking, are we having that? Crook, is that something that you're going to go down to your local barbers and have etched into your skull? Well, I, I do need to uh, utilise the barber at the hotel. So, um, I, listen, I'm probably not in a, a position to comment too much on, on, on people's choice of hairstyle. Darren Lewis, even less so, I would suggest. So <laughs> well, that's why, I was, that's why I was grateful he went to you first, uh, Crook, because I don't really think I'm in any position to, to criticise him. How, how posh is your hotel that you've got a barber in your hotel? Mm. 
and he seems to be open at all hours um, as well. So maybe I'll, I'll take a trip down there with uh, with Dean Ashton. <laughs> Poor old Dino. That was a little bit unfair, wasn't it? <laughs> I did. I went to uh, Japan versus Spain the other night, and I was sitting right at the back of the stand, literally in the second back row. And uh, I looked down in front of me, and I could see this sort of like uh, white shiny golf ball head in front of me, and I thought, oh. There's Dean Ashton. Uh, I went down. <laughs> went down. Hello, Dean. <laughs> at least you, at least no. you recognised him. There was a moment when uh, our sister station, Times Radio, um, introduced the former England and West Ham striker Dean Ashton during interview yesterday. The issue is that uh, the man on the end of the Zoom was actually Dean Saunders. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They look so similar as well. Um, quick word on our Australia. Credit to them. They did quite well, didn't they? I was with quite a lot of Australians yesterday, and they certainly worked their socks off. I mean, they only managed, what, one shot on target in the entire game uh, yesterday. The goal that eventually they did get was credited to their own goal for Enzo Fernandez. Uh, but they've had a really good tournament. Yeah, I, I, I think I, it's only the second time they've ever been through to the knockout stages. The first time it needed a late goal from Italy to beat them in 2006. I think as far as they're concerned, Graham Arnold's done an outstanding job because they don't have the superstars of 06. Harry Kuehl, Mark Schwarzer, Mark Viduka, um, Tim Cahill. They don't have those players, but they do have you know guys like uh, Harry Suter, who I think is a huge talent um, and they do have Matt Ryan in goal is prone to the odd mistake uh, here and there but I think all around the pitch they have got good players who um, will be heroes and are seen as heroes back home after what they've done in this tournament first time ever, ever won back-to-back matches at a World Cup both with clean sheets yeah. and that says a lot about their achievement and coming into the tournament Graham Arnold was getting quite a little bit of stick he wasn't the most popular out of um, with the um, the media down under, but he's obviously earned a little bit more respect, I think, during this this period. Everyone was sort of saying, well, he's not really Ange Postacoglu. Um, he had a very different demeanour about him, but he's managed to coach a team to get them to a certain level of fitness, to blend players in that maybe you wouldn't expect. I mean, you mentioned Harry Suter. This is a guy who hardly has played over the course of the last year or so. And he's come in, playing for Stoke, stepped up, been brilliant in a, in a World Cup. That, that, that is a huge, huge achievement. A quick word on your best mate, Matt Ryan, who Darren has just said is prone to the odd error and you didn't pick up on. You've now tried to have a go at me about what Darren said about him. The fact is, is that when you're only five foot ten as a goalkeeper and you keep making mistakes, then people are going to ask questions about you. But yeah, yeah. Is he still your best mate or have you ditched him now that he's moved out of the Premier League? Yeah, I've not spoken to him um, since he left the Premier League. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm willing to be critical. It was poor, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, he was sold a dummy with a back pass. But in that scenario, just smash it into the stands, fella. Don't don't start trying to be clever in your own penalty area when you've got Argentina bearing down on you. And obviously, ultimately, that's cost him. But they showed plenty of spirit, as we expected. Uh, lots of athleticism as well, Australia. But Darren's stat about the lack of shots on target, I think, emphasises that actually in the final third, they lack the quality, and I do agree with what he was saying. Better sides than Australia um, would probably have at least taken that game to extra time. Netherlands 3, USA 1. Uh, efficient, ruthless, well-planned-out victory by 
Louis van Gaal and the Netherlands. Uh, the Dutch are through to the quarterfinals where they'll take on Argentina on Friday night. And you've got to admit that Louis van Gaal, if nothing else, knows how to plot his way through a tournament, Darren. Absolutely, yes. He's done it before with the Dutch. They don't have the vintage of, say, 98. You know, they don't have the players like, even later than that, you know, the Wesley Schneiders and uh, Rajan Robbins of this, and Ruud van Nistelrooy of this world. But they've got a side, a squad, that when it comes together, they can make things work. Can I just say very quickly, if, if I may, um, Matt Ryan, I did mention he had a couple of mistakes in him, but I could, would must, must, must also point out he pulled up a couple of great saves yesterday. Um, and, you know, every are you top... Backtracking? Are you backtracking? Are you, are you I am, I am. I'm going to just put my hands up and back because I did, I did, I was just thinking about it while Crook was talking and I've got to say, he did pull off yeah. a couple of fantastic uh, saves and he has done throughout the tournament and and I think they offset those mistakes. So I want to put my hands up and apologise for that. Um yeah. I think as far as... Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as shocking as his goalkeeping. <laughs> but I, I do want to, I do just want to say about the Dutch, I think they could beat Argentina. I, I, I'll put it out there. I think they're organised and efficient. They all know their plans. Argentina's plan is give the ball to Messi. Plan B is give the ball to Messi. And plan C is give the ball to Messi. Um, and I think... That, Eventually, when you get somebody who thinks as deeply as Van Hal does, and 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 you've got somebody who can lead the line as well as Van Dyke does, and you've got somebody who can score goals like Cody Gakpo or now Memphis Depay, I think that there's a way to stop Argentina, and I think that the Dutch will do it. Um, did you see the press conference after the game yesterday with uh, Denzel Dumfries and uh, with uh, Louis Van Hal? in which he, 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 man of the match, Dumfries sat next to Van Hal, and then Van Hal turned around and gave him a big fat kiss. He said, Denzel knows that the day before yesterday, I gave him a big fat kiss, and I'm going to give him another. <laughs> there. It's almost like he's turned into a caricature of Louis Van Hal. He's up the comedy value. He's just He does something at every single press conference that just causes a headline or changes people's thoughts or narrative about him. Um, they only got 42% possession against the USA, which is quite remarkable, really, because he, he was quite happy to sit back, allow the USA to come onto him and then try and counterattack. And they did that very, very well. Um, I wonder whether or not that's a good ploy against Messi and Argentina, who don't really press as high up the pitch they don't they, they're, they're quite slow in their build-up play and they do a lot of it in the midfield area how are you going to sort of counter-attack on a team like that it's going to be a, a slightly different plan that he's going to have to come up with on Friday night I think yeah I don't think ideally you want Lionel Messi to have any more of the ball um, than is possible but he's made no apologies hasn't he Louis van Gaal because he's been criticised in Holland for the style of play but he said this is me this is what we're going to do I think it can take us all the way to the World Cup final and I spoke to Nathan Ake after the game actually and he he gave me the impression the players are all fully behind Van Gaal they buy into what he's doing he actually said we love him um, and I think those shenanigans and antics at uh, press conferences are an indication that this is a very happy Dutch camp and that isn't always the case going into a major tournament I thought Memphis Depay was exceptional for them and actually Van Dijk um, and Nathan Ake, as part of that back three, played very well as well. So, yeah, yeah. I hope Argentina win because I want this messy adventure to continue. But I don't think Darren is uh, is being too bold and too outlandish 
by suggesting the Dutch could have their number. Yeah, I think he might be right. Dumfries and Blint, very important. The two uh, wing-backs that played brilliantly once again. Three assists and two goals between them in one game. Not bad. Um, and they're, they're key to the way that the Netherlands play. And that is something that Argentina will have to be very, very careful about. Quick word on the, the USA. Um, first of all, Hadji Wright had a wonderful chance where he takes the ball around the goalkeeper and just overhits it, his touch is too heavy, goes wide and then obviously can't squeeze it back in. And then a couple of minutes later, he comes up with either the most wonderful, ingenious touch in the history of World Cup football or the biggest, flukiest goal that has ever been scored. I, I, did it clip his right foot, flick up over in the air and drop into the back corner. How, how, did, how did that even happen? It was almost like a little bit of uh, magic, wasn't it? It was, it, it was jaw-dropping, Darren. He had no idea what he was doing, Stan. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, and I felt myself... For both my incidents, hair. sadly. <laughs> well, well, quite, exactly. Um, I think the USA are a good strike away from being a good team. And they've got four years to find one ahead of their home World Cup. I think as far as the wide players are concerned, they're decent. Pulisic misses a great chance that he should have taken. Um, and I think that's partly the reason why, although he's much vaunted, he does have his critics. Timothy Weir provides that pace on the other flank as well. Uh, Tyler Adams in midfield, a lot of industry. Uh, and at the back, they're all honest, although they did infuriate me yesterday by kind of just tapping it, tippy-tapping it around. They're 2-0 down when they need to be more direct. And they need to find a, a, a target man. But they've done a great job. Second youngest squad in the tournament. They've done well to get this far. They've got to now find a striker. If they can get a striker, they will not have as many frustrating moments as they had in that game. OK, let's get to England against Senegal and France against Poland. It's a massive day for Gareth Southgate. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Is in behind Connor Roberts, right hand side of the area, checks, gets it onto his left foot. Oh, finds it straight through Danny Ward for number three. 
Now the joint top scorer, he has said openly, I'm going to be uh, England's version of Mbappe. That's confidence. Shaw firing it in, Bellingham! Senegal's the be-all and end-all for, for us at the minute. If we get past them, then we'll worry about what comes next. But for right now, uh, all the focus is on that game. Only half cleared! Oh, and put in! Khalidou Koulibaly! The captain leads by example! Well, it'll be tough. Very well organised. They've got a lot of good individual players. Of course, a lot of players playing in the big European leagues. And the expectations now will rise, of course. So we've got, we've got to handle that. Senegal is seven o'clock on Talk Sport, and Gareth Southgate has got a little bit of a conundrum in terms of whether or not he decides to stick with 4 3 3 or tighten up at the back. Maybe he is often, when they've got into knockout stages, flexed into a back three. Not entirely sure he's going to do that tonight. I think it'll be 4 3 3 again. But who plays alongside Harry Kane? Well, he has been talking, the England manager, about the attributes that Marcus Rashford brings to the side. He's playing with confidence, um, although I have to say all of our wide players are. He's direct, He's the power of his shooting is extraordinary really. I think if you spoke with any of the goalkeepers in our, um, in our camp over the last five, six years, they would all comment on that. So we, yeah, we, we do have players, he, his, his ability to run in behind defences is also key. Um, the nice thing for us, all of our attacking players have different attributes, really, that can pose a different problem for the opponent. And um, yeah, Mar Marcus's are fairly apparent. But but I think um, when pe people are looking at him at the moment, the great thing is that he's playing with that smile on his face and he's got that confidence. So does he start or does he come off the bench, Darren? Start, absolutely yes. When he plays off the left, he tries to find Kane. Kane tries to find him. Uh, it resulted in a goal for him, the other two goals for him the other day. Um, and he could have had a hat-trick had the goalkeeper not made a fantastic save very early on uh, in that match. So I think as far as the, does he play, absolutely yes. Play the players that are in form. It's not even that difficult. And in the past, there has been difficulty about what kind of constellation, if you like, we should play. We're in a very, very good position of having a terrific front six. I think our squad is probably one of the four best in the tournament. And I think Rashford should play. Absolutely. Uh, what about in midfield? Because Henderson, Bellingham, Rice started the last game. Bellingham, Rice and Mount, the first two matches. Which way does he go? Do you know what? The team news for this game is, is a really closely guarded secret. Usually you get a, a few steers. I, I did get a steer... Last night to suggest that Phil Foden starts. Um, that's about as far as I can go um, at this moment in time. And I think really it illustrates what Darren was saying about the squad depth. You know, normally going into a, a major tournament, you're talking about one or two players who could be interchangeable. You're talking about four or five here, I think, in, in all honesty. Um, Harry Kane starts. Who plays on the right? Who plays on the left? Does Henderson keep his place? Does Bellingham keep his more advanced role in the number 10 or does he go back to holding in midfield depending on the formation? I think Carl Walker will play a right back. 
Um, well, I, I don't think, think that's a, too much of a shock. And I think, actually, there's only two or three positions on the field that, that, that need nailing down here, right? Because we know the back five is Pickford in goal. The right back's going to be Walker. The two centre-halves are going to be Stones and Maguire. And then the left back's going to be Shaw. We know that Kane's going to play up top. We know that Rice is going to play in midfield. So we're looking at the people that are yeah. either side of Rice and the people that are either side of Harry Kane. And I it could be I any of them, couldn't it? You, you look at that right-hand side... Does he go with Saka, who played so well against Iran? Does he go with Rashford, who did well in that position against Wales? Um, does Raheem Sterling come come into the equation? I'm not sure he does, actually. I think if we're talking about options in terms of up alongside or in support of Harry Kane. I think Sterling has probably fallen down the pecking order. I don't know what your, your guys' view on that is. I, the, the, I, the reason that Rashford has to start for me is because not only does he give you pace on the counter-attack, but he also gives you a goal threat. With all due respect to every one of the other players that plays in those wide positions, none of them offer you as much of a goal threat as him. So, for example, Grealish might give you the ingenuity to unlock a very low block, but he doesn't give you the pace on the counter-attack, and he certainly doesn't give you a goal. Foden gives you those little tricky, intricate moments that can open up a, a back line, but he doesn't really score that many goals. I mean, he's got three for England and two of them came in the same game against Iceland. If you look at Mount, Mount similarly doesn't score enough goals. Sterling hasn't scored enough goals, really, um, in recent times anyway. Saka doesn't, well, he's got two already this this tournament, so it's very difficult to say that. But, but the goals, if you're, if you're thinking about goals, and we do need goals to win matches, Rashford is probably the, the, the brightest source of them. But, but but I mean, obviously, just in case anyone's listening to clear up, Sterling and um, Foden have both scored in this tournament. And, and, yes, and they have. Their, their, their um, defenders will, 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 will pipe up on that and, and, and you would, we'd give them that. I, I think what you're inferring, and I, I tend to agree, is that Rashford gives you more of a goal threat than the other Agreed. two. Agreed. Yes. Um, and and, and the, thing I, the reason I would play Foden ahead of Saka is that Foden, Saka, I still think he's learning the game. He's an exceptional footballer, but I still think he's learning the game. I think Foden is more used to play at a high intensity in big matches every week on a consistent basis and being able to deliver an eight, nine out of 10 performance. And I think we are at the business end of the, tenth, the, the tournament where eight, nine out of 10 performances are required. And I would put him in there for that reason. If he gets in behind, he creates that bit of fantasy that you need at this level to be the difference against top opposition. And let's not kid ourselves, Senegal, the African champions, they are top opposition, whether Mane's there or not. And I, I would play Bellingham in the 10. And then for me, it's I would be happy with either Henderson or Phillips alongside Rice uh, because one obviously got us to a final of the European Championship and the other one is hugely experienced. But, you know, any combination is not the wrong answer. Um, Harry Kane yet to score at this tournament. He was speaking yesterday at the press conference. He said, back in 2018, I scored a lot of goals in the group stage and used a lot of energy. Then I felt it. Not just my goals, but overall performances. I ran out of steam at the back end of the tournament. I think we all saw that. Uh, so at the Euros, it was something that I was very conscious of, trying to taper and make sure that I was physically in a better place, which hopefully helped me score goals later in the tournament. This is similar. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have scored three or four by now, but I also feel I am in a good place. I think unless he gets a goal, he's going to be a little bit agitated yeah. isn't he I mean the, the team have scored nine goals joint top scorers in the group stage yet he hasn't scored one yet that that will frustrate him 
even though he's been the most creative player at the World Cup, he's got the most assists up until the start of the knockout stages. It's hard to see a scenario where Harry Kane goes four World Cup games on the spin without a goal. So I think his goal drought could be bad news um, for the Senegalese. Uh, but I think he's played a very selfless role um, this tournament because often he's criticised for dropping too deep into midfield. But I think he's worked for England because that has allowed uh, people like Rashford and Saka in the first game to, to exploit those spaces in behind. And, uh, you know, there, there are some people who are suggesting that Harry Kane, as a result of not scoring, should be dropped. I would politely suggest these people know nothing about football, to be honest. How how can how can you watch the England games and suggest that that will be the case? Bearing in mind he's the one that drops links to play and allows the others to to thrive. I agree, hundred percent. It's just crazy. The the one thing I would say, and and I'll slightly disagree with you. All strikers absolutely want to get their goals, but mm. Kane's won a golden boot already at the World Cup. He's had two golden boots for in the Premier League. I bet you in this tournament, Kane would rather he didn't score, but England were to go on and win it. Because, and, and, and if that were to be the case, he's had individual glory already. But what is missing from his career, from his CV, is team glory. And I think if England were to go and win it with him setting up goals rather than scoring goals, he'd be delighted. Is he England's Olivier Giroud from 2018? That was exactly the point that I was about to make because I was going to ask you how many shots has he actually had. It's not like he's missing chances. I mean, you've probably got the stats, Sam, but I can't remember too many saves that he's forced out of opposition goalkeepers. And wasn't it Olivier Giroud when that entire tournament without a shot on target? Am I wrong about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, 2018. He won the World Cup, didn't have a shot on target and it was the leading striker for France. Uh, he's already scored two goals at this tournament, by the way. Um, but, he, I mean, look, listen, England seem and feel to be in a good place. What you don't want is for it to go wrong. One of the things I was quite surprised about was that when I woke up this morning, I was looking at the back page of some of the papers and there's a lot of talk about penalties. Why do we talk about penalties immediately we get into the, the group stages? Should we really need penalties to get past Senegal? And I'm not being arrogant. No. You know, if England want to win the World Cup, requiring penalties at this stage of the competition would, be, would, would indicate there's big, a bigger problem. No, I don't agree with you, Sam. I think if you look at Senegal, they won the Africa Cup of Nations on penalties. I think that the, the, the thing that the thing that does for us sometimes when we get to these stages is we play the game on paper and we look at the opposition and we say we should beat them. Just like the Germans said about Japan, just like Argentina said about Saudi Arabia, uh, just like the Belgians said about Morocco. And I think we've got to change our mindset ever so slightly in the same way that we've got to stop thinking for us to win the World Cup, Harry Kane's got to score a lot of goals. We have a fantastic front six and other players have to contribute. In the World Cup in 1998, France's attack was shocking. Zidane scored the goals up, but actually won them the title from midfield. And I think as far as we are concerned, I remember the game that uh, England played against Spain some time ago and Kane was dropping deep, pulling the strings and it was Sterling and Rashford who was scoring the goals. We've got that kind of front six where other players can weigh in and get us to the final and score the goals. It might be that we get to the final and he scores one. But I just think our, our, our mindset's got to change about football when we get to this stage. We have a good team, but we have to respect the opposition. And Senegal with Mendy in goal and Kalidou Koulibaly in defence and Boulay Dia coming in for Sadio Mane, but scoring goals for them as well. 
they're a good side that has to be respected. Absolutely. And I think we all respect them, especially that those of us who have spent the last two days watching their matches back. But I don't understand why we have an obsession with talking about penalties the minute we get into the knockout stages. I know we've had problems with them in the past, but ultimately, I feel like we're, sort of, we're already getting obsessed with something that might not happen. Let's just not worry about it until it does happen. I'm sure Gareth Southgate and everybody have done their, have done their uh, the research. They know who's going to take them. Just let them get on with it. Let's let's talk about the actual game because there's at least 90 minutes, if not 120 minutes, of football match conundrums to work out between now and that possible eventuality. That is the area that we should be concentrating our, our energies in. That's just my feeling about it. Um, in terms of um, the knockout football, England have actually done very well in knockout football under Gareth Southgate. Do you think that experience and, and, and having sort of... in the muscle memory of going through tournaments and winning these big games is going to be advantageous to them, Crook. A hundred percent. You know, you look, you look at the way they've navigated their way through the last two tournaments, semi-finalists in 2018, finalists of the European Championships. They've got that that big game experience. They know how to come through knockout matches, and I think also they'll be spurred on uh, by the disappointment of missing out. Uh, at the Euros, it's largely the same squad. There's not been too much evolution uh, between that tournament and this. And I, I think the scars are still raw. And I think it, maybe the media sometimes are guilty of disrespecting England's opponents. I don't think Gareth well, Southgate. Us. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think I think we are. I think we're, we're, we've all said, I've said it. If England beat France, they'll get to the final. Well, they've got to beat Senegal first. Um, but Gareth Southgate won't be thinking in those terms. It will be one game at a time. There's absolutely no chance that England players and coaching staff will disrespect their, their opponents. Yeah, uh, Alu Cisse has been the coach there for seven years now. And I don't know if you've ever met Alu, um, Darren, but he is uh, an unbelievably vibrant character. He, he worked with us down in uh, Portsmouth for a couple of years and he was he, he's just full of... Just he's so bubbly, which is amazing. Really, bearing in mind that, that the immense tragedy that has befallen him and did befall him just before he came down to the south coast, um, he's he, he was a trailblazer at 2018's World Cup. In fact, he was the only black manager. Interestingly, all the African nations now are run by African coaches, and one of the things he he will say tonight in an interview with Gabriel Clark on the television is is that you know. A lot of people come out from the outside, come into Africa, try and sort of impose their coaching methods and their styles and sometimes have great success in doing so, um, but don't get the culture. And African coaches taking charge of African teams not only can do the coaching now, and he believes that these, you know, that, that, that's been a major upgrade, but also... They, they, they get the culture. So you need someone. Like we always say, we want an Englishman in charge of the England team. They, they, would, they want an African coach in charge of one of their national teams because ultimately it's not just about the, having a pro licence. It's about understanding the people that you are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. And seeing that them come through the ranks, develop them, know them as people as well as as players. And it's so important that you actually raise that point and also that our colleagues at ITV are doing it. Because I remember in the past in our World Cup coverage, we just, I would watch as a boy and basically see um, TV paint these guys as 
interesting but beatable, naive but and and beatable. Um, and now there is that actually the actual thought in what they bring to the party, how strong they are, what they've done to develop players, what their trajectory has been. And that point about African coaches being in charge of their own country is so crucial. You look at Walid Ragragui, who's in charge of Morocco, yeah. took charge three months ago. Um, he's only conceded one goal in six games in that time. He played for, for his country 45 caps. He was a defender. You look at Alucise, you know, he played for Senegal, now managing them. And he was saying in his first press conference, people had a different perception of African football 20, 30 years ago. But that's changed. And we are now in some of the best European teams in the world. But when we come together with our national teams, we have a plan and we're getting even stronger. And I think this just one last point, if I can, Sam. I know this is a bit of a long one, but this is the tournament where we are seeing Africa rising and Asia rising. And I think in the next one, both those uh, continents will be even stronger because of the impact. You said the other day, 19 of the 26 players in Japan play their football in Europe. You know, more and more players are being developed who can actually go on and be shaped by people who know them and understand them before they go elsewhere. And I think that that's the reason why we have to respect Senegal and all the African competitors at a World Cup. Senegal conceded in each of their last 10 World Cup matches since their very first, their 1-0 win over France in 2002. And they're looking to become the first African side to reach the quarterfinal at two World Cups after 2002 when they did very well. Um, since Cameroon in 1990, who did they play? Uh, and Ghana in 2010, uh, the only uh, other African quarterfinals. And, I, and we were talking about this yesterday, and it's something that I'll bring up in commentary tonight. You know, remember when England played Cameroon in the World Cup quarterfinal, and everybody at the time, this is 32 years ago now, 1990, Italy, everybody thought, well, that'll be easy. Yeah, England was seven minutes from going out of that game. Seven minutes from going out uh, during that match. And it's only because of Gary Lineker's penalties uh, that things turned around. Um, where are you watching the game tonight, Darren? What are you doing? To, are you going to the game tonight? I'm going to the game tonight, yeah. So I'll be working before, after, and uh, hopefully during it, I'll be on the edge of my seat. I can't call it, I've got to be honest. And Alex, where are you watching it tonight? I'll be there. Um, so I'm, I'm hot-footing it straight from the France game. So I'm doing the double header today. And uh, I was feeling confident at the start of this podcast that England would go through. Uh, you two have left me feeling a little bit nervous, Darren in particular. I don't, I don't think it's about being nervous. It, it is about, like, you know, and I'll mention this tonight at the top of the show. At this stage of the tournament, you need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because it isn't going to be easy over the course of the next 90 minutes. This is a World Cup that we want to last two weeks now for England, but might only last two hours. It is not going to be an easy ride. And if it was an easy ride, it wouldn't be a World Cup, would it? France against Poland, uh, one of the most undeserving sides in the last 16, Poland, a wretched performance against Argentina in the final group game. Um, now, what is this I hear? that there is a possibility that Karim Benzema could come back for France later in the tournament. Um, I, I, Didier Deschamps shot that down, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And it's not going to happen. Um, I, I think there's a big difference between the situation involving Memphis Defy and Holland. 
Pakistan, where he didn't play early on, but he's coming into it and making an impact. And um, Benzema, who at the start of the tournament was ruled out, and Deschamps has been clear about the fact that he's not coming back. They're a good side anyway. I don't think, and it seems ridiculous to say it, but they're doing okay without him. I wasn't going to say they don't need him because any player, any team needs a, a player of his ability. But France is scoring goals. Mbappe is romping through this tournament so far. He's really enjoying himself. Giroud is making significant contributions as well. Only needs one more goal to surpass Henri as France's all-time top scorer. And in defence, they're strong as well. They have conceded the odd chance, but I think you'd agree, Crook, that they look good. They do, and uh, I hope they absolutely batter Poland because Poland have stunk the tournament out. They celebrated uh, like they've won the World oh, Cup after an utterly dire performance in their final group game. I hope this is 4-0 by half-time and then we can all get over horrible. to the England game as quickly as you're possible. Horrible. You're horrible. Because Just my opinion. You, you're not, you're not recognising the achievement, are you? I said this to you the other day. This is the first time they've played a knockout stage game since 1986. You weren't even born the last time they played a knockout stage game. So why on earth can't they celebrate doing that? Even if they did have to dig themselves in to get the, the result. Even if they did have to play quite anodyne football. So what? Because this is supposed to be a festival of football. The best players on the world... Um, on show and I said it at the time I feel really sorry for Robert Lewandowski because he is the striker least served in this World Cup and listen they've got no chance of beating France absolutely no chance this is the easiest oh, of the it. last 16 ties to predict I love it I'd, I'd love it now if it came back to haunt you it, it would make me laugh so much not even I, I mean I, I wouldn't I would be pleased for England that if they got through past Senegal, they'd end up playing Poland. But I'd be even more satisfied that you made such a bold prediction and it went wrong. That would be my favourite moment of the tournament so far. France are unbeaten in the last seven meetings in all competitions against Poland. The last win that uh, Poland managed against uh, France was 1982 in Paris. It remains France's heaviest defeat uh, since England beat them uh, 5-0 in 1969. 24th birthday... Upcoming for Kylian Mbappe, he can become the first player to score eight World Cup goals before that. He's currently level with Pele, who's also on seven. And we must talk about the great Brazilian legend. 82 were admitted to hospital in Sao Paulo on Tuesday evening, saying it was a routine monthly visit. However, yesterday reports emerged saying that uh, he is beginning end-of-life care after not responding to chemotherapy um, for cancer, the treatment that he was undergoing. Pele himself, though, says he's strong with a lot of hope. In a statement released on Saturday, he said messages of support, as well as watching Brazil at the World Cup, had given him energy. Um, look, I think we all appreciate just the level of impact this player had on world football in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and how much Discussion around him and the elevation to icon and superstar has helped so many young footballers, especially from different backgrounds, achieve their goals. Um, it is a, a, obviously a very sad time for him and his, his family. And I know that the, I was at the Brazil game on Friday night when they unfurled that huge banner, wishing him all the best. But it is a sad story to come out in the middle of a, a World Cup, Darren. Is the single, single biggest inspirational football icon the game has ever seen. And you only have to look at the generations of footballers who instantly see fit to pay tribute to him whenever they hear that there might be a downturn in his health to know that 
Um, he's won the World Cup three times in a manner that inspires you to fall in love with the game. And he has been an inspiration for many footballers to take up the game. And it seems quite trite to say we wish him well. Um, and I think it's more fitting, as you're suggesting, that we talk about why he is so loved and revered and respected and why he will continue to be you know, in the decades to come because he is a magnificent footballer who has really elevated this sport to a level that has to be reached and very few players can ever reach that high bar. One of the things that's always struck me when you watch Pelé from especially the 50s and the 60s is is it that he plays with such a gay abandon. It does, he plays as if he's playing street football. He doesn't care mm. that he's playing for Brazil at the World Cup. He still plays with that ingenuity, that sort of off-the-cuff style, that he'll try mm. things that other people wouldn't try, the spectacular goals that come as a result of just that freedom to express himself, that original, I suppose, Brazilian team that produced the Yoga Bonito. Uh, it, was, it, it, it is that... That, that flair, that samba style that came from that group of players that has permeated footballing history. And he was the leader of that group. He was the, the top of that tree. Um, look, our, our thoughts and uh, feelings are with him and his, his family. And I'm sure that we'll follow um, his uh, situation closely on TalkSport over the next couple of days. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time and your energy this morning. Good luck to England tonight. I think we all uh, are agreed that it would be... Uh, much better World Cup for all of us if they stayed in at least until the next round. So uh, we do hope they go through. Um, and um, we will reconvene tomorrow morning and review what we hope is an England um, victory and a march to the quarterfinals of the World Cup for uh, a second successive tournament. Let's see what happens. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.